Welcome to the Chemistry Factor Podcast, dedicated to help you consciously inspire your actions in business, no matter what circumstances you're facing, transforming your stress into empowering success. I'm Coach Barney, founder of the Chemistry Factor. For over 25 years, I've worked with hundreds of successful business leaders who have all experienced how poor working relationships and unexpected business setbacks cause the anxiety and stress that weakens your productivity, innovation, and leadership skills. You do not choose to be stressed. It is a reaction, not a decision, that drains your energy, making work hard and less fulfilling. Together, we will discover how to empower your attitude to achieve the greater success and satisfaction you've always wanted in your business, career, and life. Our guest today is Bill Afonso, who started his career as a junior agent for the performing arts in Beverly Hills, California. He then joined the creative advertising agency 72 and Sunny as a finance coordinator and for 10 years moved up the ranks, becoming the finance director overseeing their Amsterdam office. Bill then returned to New York where he grew up and is now the finance director for Johannes Leonardo, another highly creative ad agency. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. It's a Thank pleasure you. and an honor to have you here. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, I've been working in advertising for close to 30 years and I've always said the best financial people in an agency are the ones that you could put in a get to know each other room to meet the client with client services and creatives and are later asked by the client, which one was the financial guy? <laughs> with your Grizzly Adams beard, sense of humor, creative curiosity, drive for knowledge, and enthusiastic personality, you stand out in many ways as a creative. What inspires you to work for highly creative agencies? You know, whenever I started, when I started in advertising and really when I started in my career, I I, I had to work. I, I knew I wanted to work in an industry where I would under, I understood the output. And for as long as I can remember, you know, I, I always enjoyed like the craft of, you know, whether it be film or music or sports. I'm a huge sports fan. And I remember growing up as a kid, my, my, one of my friend's dads was a sports agent and I remember having an interest in that and talking to him and kind of getting a sense of what that industry was like. And I made the decision kind of very young that that I didn't want to see how that sausage was made. Even if I kind of knew how it was made, I didn't want to go into the kitchen and actually watch it. And I knew that, but I knew that I, I really wanted to work in an industry where, like I said, I, I could understand the output. I'd be the worst, I'd be the worst employee at the widget factory ever. I'd be terrible. And so working in an advertising agency felt like this really happy kind of medium. You, know, you get to be around smart people, most you know, kind people, they're creative, they have vision. And for me, working in that kind of environment where you can see the output, it makes the numbers come alive in, in, a, in a way where... I can, you know, looking at a PL, looking at a balance sheet, um, you just understand, I think, better, at least for me, how 
the, all of those numbers feed into that final product and you really understand the flow through of how a number enters the system, flows through the system, and then, you know, ends up on the P&L. So for you, uh, I'm just going to interrupt and say, you are, in my mind, an ideal financial guy in the agency world because of what I said. I mean, you you exude, you know, creativity. And, you know, what you're learning, you you have a hunger for the knowledge. I mean, question for you, being that who you are, you know, what is your leadership style for success within a creative agency? You know, I think the first thing is culture is so important in, in an agent in, in any office space, but rock on, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it it really is. And I've had the I've had the really fortunate luck in my career to work at just in in some wonderful cultures you know, where people were really put first and to be able to take from that and learn from that and try to bring all of those experiences with me and to grow from those experiences. So I think about the people who have been instrumental in helping me grow my career. And I've had some incredible mentors, people who were generous with their time. They explained things. They were tolerant of a, of, of a punk kid who thought they maybe knew better and gracefully explained why I didn't know better in a way that, you know, was tactful and inspiring and just didn't make you feel like an idiot. No, and no, I get it. You, you know, somebody who cares. Someone exactly. Who, yeah, who wants wants the best for you and knows that if they give it to you, it's going to come back in return. Exactly. And and fortunately for me, I had multiple people who played that role, not not just one. So, you know, really surrounded by a community of, of folks who took me in and, and really taught me. And for me, that was always, you know, I remember that and, and I've tried to pay it forward, I think, as best I could, you know, I love it. going forward in my in my own career. Paying it forward. I love I love the way you analyze, you know, you analyze that into paying it forward because I'm sure that's exactly what you do. You you just seem to be a lovable guy. <laughs> and people are really appreciate you for it. Um have my good days. Well, yeah, we all do. We're human, okay? <laughs> uh as a financial leader, you have worked and lived on the East Coast, where you were brought up, West Coast, and in Amsterdam. For again, highly creative agencies. What did you learn from each diverse geographical culture that you've adopted as your own to help build a more effective agency? Well, the great thing is, it, you know, for anyone who's lived in LA, LA is is a bit of a transient city. It feels like there's people from everywhere. So as you mentioned, I grew up on Long Island. Uh, I'm a native New Yorker. Uh, New York, obviously, a very diverse, diverse area, diverse place. Mets and Islander uh, fan. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, LA, it's interesting because all these people move to LA and all they do is it seemingly, at least this is my experience, flock, try to flock to people who are from where they're from, you know, I, I remember on Sunday mornings, you know, watching, going and watch like NFL, you know, you'd go to the, you'd have to go to the Giants bar, you know, and there'd be a, there'd be a Giants bar, there'd be a Bears bar, there'd be an Eagles uh, bar, there'd be a Steelers bar, you know, and, you know, but you have to go to the Giants bar. 
And okay. but you went to the Mets bar. <laughs> if if no, you went it, to the bar, 162 games. It's, it can't, can't go to the bar every you know football. No. You, you do it on Sundays, but but what that what was interesting about that is it was yeah. a lot of people from a lot of different places. And Amsterdam was really very similar. 72 and sunny, which is where I was working. It, you know, we had this office in Amsterdam and it was a very Western style office. Um, and a lot of people came from a lot of different places. I think at one point we had 30 plus nationalities represented there at, at any given time. And so it was, an, it was an amazing melting pot, I think, for, for people where, you know, you had people from all over Europe, you had people from the UK, different parts of the UK. There was one one woman who had the just the thickest Sunderland accent, you know, in the world. <laughs> and, you, know, you contrast that from someone who might be from Manchester, contrast that from someone from London. And, you know, we had people from Ireland and Canada and obviously the US and Argentina, Brazil, uh, China. And so it was, it was a wonderfully- What I'm gathering here. Okay, is that what you really found empowering in all three locations is diversity. Because yeah. with diversity, there's a lot of opportunity to learn things from other cultures that you would not have have known before. Is that Absolutely. fair? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you enjoyed all of that. That that's kind of like it. that that that's your inspiration, you, you know, your your hunger for knowledge. And what was great about that also was, especially in Amsterdam, because everybody got relocated to the city for the most part, that group of people kind of became your social network on top of your work colleagues. And having that experience that I think, you know, again, like you said, you really appreciate other cultures, you appreciate diverse opinions, you appreciate where other people came from. It, you learn empathy. If you don't, if you don't have empathy, you certainly learn empathy. And I think you really begin to see the world through a little bit of a different lens. And to bring that back to how you make a great agency, I think there are a lot of really great people in the world who are incredibly talented, but it really puts a premium on, on people, you know, more than anything. And it puts that premium on the individual more so than their, than their skill set. You know, you can find a great a person with a great skill set, but finding a great person is, that's special. A great leadership. One of the key values in great leadership is empathetic, is empathy. Uh, it, it, it's listening. It's allowing others to speak their mind and supporting. I think that's really powerful. And, and you're really good at it. I can tell. <laughs> the chemistry factor believes that the strength of your agency's talent and their culture interaction is the most important factor in achieving business success. How do you determine the right talent to hire? Because it begins there. Absolutely. Personally, you know, I, I like to try to meet people more than once. And in that first interview, I I really try to understand what makes them tick. Yeah. And I prefer more conversational style of interview. And, you know, like I said, I really like to try to get to know the person. You know, what what do they like? What what don't they like? You know, what was the what have you heard any good books in the last six months? Like what's a good restaurant you've been to? Any good TV show recommendations? Just to get a sense of who they are, what kind of person are they? And, you know, it's really interesting because I think, you know, in that you get to know the person, but it's also really important to build, you know, to understand, I think, aligning expectations too between what 
the, the opportunity that you have right there is and what that person's looking for as well. That's so, that's so important that you have that alignment. A, a brief anecdote. I remember very early in my career, I, I was conducting an interview and, and it was for an entry level position. And so person I was interviewing didn't have a lot of experience. And I remember I like asking a variation of the question, you know, where do you want to be in three to five years? But I'll ask it in, in the way of, you know, how do you, how would you like to grow in the next you know, 18 months? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that to me is important. You know, it, I always tell people on my team or whoever, you know, be active participants in conversations about your own growth. And the response was interesting in that they said in 18 months, I'd really like to be a CFO. And, okay, I okay. like the ambition. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And you know, what that told me though, was who, who am I to say that that's not going to happen? I'm, that's not for me to say, yes. but that did tell me though, that there just wasn't alignment between the opportunity that we knew that we had, that we had to offer this individual and what their own expectation and ambition was. So, you know, it's just, that wasn't the right person, but that it, that's why for me, that expect that alignment is so, that's so important, you know, and what I, what we do here at JL, you know, we're trying to build departments as you would a community. So I think about things sometimes I think about like team building. It's almost like a, a Petri dish sometimes where, you know, you're not just hiring for a position in a silo. You're thinking, I think about how is this person going to interact with the rest of the team? So how, you know, it's, if I need a, you know, if I need a staff accountant, it's not just about finding a, a good person who is also a staff accountant. It's how are they, going to interact with the broader team you know are they going to fit in are they going to be a value add because they're going to have to work with everybody and you know we we tend to prioritize hybrid skills and we'd like people who you know it's not just great your staff account that's all you're going to do it's if you want to learn something else great we try to enable that if you want to do something outside of staff accounting cool how do we make that a reality for you so the idea is there's a lot of cross training a lot of cross working between everyone which makes which makes that fit so much more important and, you know, making sure that they're going to fit with everyone. I could tell you a quick story of uh, a CFO that I placed with a very creative agency, similar in nature to what you are, when they first moved into New York. And they hired him because not only was he a financial guy, but he also was a graphic artist, (laughs) which fit perfectly. Oh, you want to do some graphic art? Yeah, we can work with you there too. You know, so that's kind of addressing something that you're saying is, how broad are your interests and how well would they fit within an organization? Great, great advice. Great advice. Absolutely. I'll take a great person over a great resume every every day. Um, you, know, you could have 50% of the skills, but if you're brilliant for our culture, we know in, in three to six months, you'll get the other 50 plus because you're the right person to be here. Um, exactly. Yeah. With over 50% of the workforce now either millennials or Generation Z, what do you find as the key elements that motivate them to stay in a fiercely competitive job market? So retention. (laughs) Yes, yes. I think in advertising, there's a longstanding reputation and perception that we have to burn talent talent out in order to be a successful, successful, creatively driven agency. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you read, you read articles and everything. And I think that what was once considered great benefits, like free food or, you know, ping pong table and stuff like that, benefits, work-life balance and flexibility. I really believe that what 
what people want is they want their workplace to align with their values. And I think that like what I've what I felt has been successful is a lot of these younger younger people what they want is they want to feel as though they're 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 valued and they're the company and they're they're you know supervisors like they they want to they want to be grown they want to see they want to be taught they you know they want to have that time investment I think placed in them so and they want to feel like they're being cared about that they're that there is an investment being made and then they're being encouraged to grow I think. So for me, you know, I'll, I'll, I try to make sure I have like a one-on-one with everybody in my team, at least, at least once every two weeks, we do team outings and, and things like that. We'll try to go to lunch. You know, we, we just had a team outing like a few weeks ago where we went to uh, a Met game, you know, an afternoon Met game. Oh, gee. And, yeah. I, I, you know, it, it, that, that's what they wanted. I, I don't know. It was weird. I don't, I don't, they I don't know. know. Hey, they're all, they, Hey, you, you knew who to pick. <laughs> There you but, go. But uh, just the idea of you know getting out during a work day and going and doing something fun with no pressure and just kind of you know, just doing something. You know, we do stuff like that a couple times a year where we, we'll do something like that. You know, we'll have a you know we we had a holiday dinner. You know, we we do stuff like that. And I think like the idea is that you know the team to me people just feel as though hey there's someone who there's people who care there's people who are invested in me. You know, when we have our one on one on ones, you know, I try to create a it's creating a psychological safe space. So talk about what do you want? And, and it's really up to the individual. Sometimes, you know, we'll talk about work things. Sometimes we'll talk about career things. Sometimes, you know, we'll talk about the weather if that's what they want to talk about. And, you know, sounds like a family, uh, you know, as I said to you earlier, you know, I got caught in the deluge of rain. Now, if I was with somebody I was just hanging with, but not, not thrilled with, we would have just been wet and it would have been a, a misery, but it'll be a mo- moment we never forget as a family because we got drenched but we walked away smiling. Okay, we we had a great time getting drenched. Uh, I'm always I'm always leery of using that word because at the end of the day, it is a job, it is business, and it is okay. A yeah. Um, so and you know, so I always I think I read years ago that you know uh, the CEO at LinkedIn at the time said that's the, the biggest lies that companies tell their employees is that it's like a family. You don't you don't pay family. You don't unfortunately let go of family. You know. So uh, I, yeah. what I try to think, so the way fair, I, I, fair I, I comment, think, very fair comment. Yeah. The way I always try to position it is you just want this experience to be, I think, incredibly positive for, for them. Yes. And you want to treat people, you know, it's, there's the platinum, you know, the, the golden rule, treat people how they want to be treated in the platinum, you know, the golden rules, what is it? Treat people how they want to be treated. And I think that that's super important. And I, and I think that that's the, that's the goal in terms of everything. Like, you know, that's fair. People, Absolutely. meet people where they are and treat people how they want to be treated. I get carried they... away a little bit, <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I get, I, I get what you say. I and, like you it. know, there are certain ways of being and family may be a little bit too strong. How has the drive for remote and hybrid work improved agency, productivity, leadership, and innovation? This is, this is an interesting one. I think, I think that like, I think that over the last two and a half years, what it has done is give people it's given people a newfound appreciation of ways of working and has allowed people to appreciate that work life balance that maybe didn't exist pre COVID. Where I think it, that it was it was you know I think there was more of a you have to go into an office you have to do that do that every day. I think. There's also something to be said about being in the room with the people and collaborating in person. 
especially in a creative environment. Working remotely can take more intention. And there's just fewer moments, I think, for organic moments and conversations. You know, I think about when when we're in the office and, you know, JL, we're here, hybrid. So we're in, you know, we have, it's it's optional. You know, we ask people to come in three days a week and, you know, two days at home. Um, so we're trying to offer flexibility. But I think about moments when we are in the office and, you know, someone will come in and, you know, I'll wave someone, hey, come on in, like, just listen to this conversation. And so they could be a fly on the wall. And and there's a learning moment there. And then, you know, afterwards, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, oh, what'd you learn? What'd you think? What'd you hear? Like, you know, and, and it's able to be very in the moment, very organic versus if you're at home, you know, it's it's like, oh, wait, someone's calling me. Oh, wait, can you hang on? Let me try to get someone on, on the, like the phone. It, it's just harder. So I think that there's, it goes both ways. The yes. past two years have changed mindsets and it's allowed those people to really think about what they want in their career and their workplace. So, you know, I think that the best thing that modern companies can do right now is really in a post-COVID world is listen, try to take their employees' point of view, uh, implement that into the policies, not dictate down from leadership and, and just ensure that employees are feeling empowered and supported. And I think that the companies that do that will be the companies that are attracting talent and retaining talent because again, it goes back to if employees are feeling listened to and empowered and heard. I think that those are the kinds of places that people will want to stay and that they'll be naturally attracted to. So there's a flexibility there. And for some, they want to be in the office more. And for others, they don't. And it really depends on what what part of your life you're in right now. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I get it. That, That makes a lot of sense. We've all had the highs and lows in our career. What story can you share that was a low and how did you overcome it? Well, I think that for any CFO, layoffs always feel like a personal low and, and a failure, uh, especially when they're for you know non-performance reasons. I've always taken the attitude that one of the main roles of the CFO is to protect the jobs of the people who are here, who, who the company makes a commitment to. You know, people work incredibly hard. This is their livelihood. And I feel like my job and any CFO's job is to ensure that, you know, those those jobs are protected in, and, you know, the business is able to run, you know, in a healthy, sustainable way while protecting all of, all of those jobs. When you had to lay somebody off. Okay. How did it feel for you? I mean, you know, what, what was it like? It's, it feels terrible. It feels absolutely awful. And what makes it feel awful? What values are disconnecting you from that? Well, I think, you know, when we're talking about non-performance related reasons, you know, right. you know, and I think that that's personally, you know, feels like, again, like, I feel like I haven't done my job, you know, what wow. could I, what could I have done differently? You know, what, could, what, what decisions could we have done differently as a business that to not have led us to this position? Could we have done things differently? Um, what could we, what could you just kind of think, what could we have done differently? And I think so you try to make, Yeah. You're questioning your leadership skills at that moment. Of course. There you, well, of course, not everybody does. Okay. But you are. And that, that when it's disconnected, it feels hard because you're, you're stepping up. I get it. So give me a story now that you can share a high in your career that inspires you. I think for me, where, where I feel like I'm, I'm at now, the highs are, I think the thing that I enjoy most right now, I mean, listen, I think everybody enjoys 
winning. So, you know, whether you're winning a new piece of business or, you know, you're, you're signing a contract and, and bring new revenue into the agency, that that's obviously exciting because, you know, of the possibilities with that. It's, it's bring it's securing revenue, it's bringing things in. But I think right now, the things that bring me the most joy are actually, you know, seeing, seeing people grow, you know, the people who I work with, with grow. And I remember, I, I really enjoyed the mentorship component, I think, much more, you know, now than I, than it, I have an appreciation for it. And it's probably the things that bring me the most joy every day. It's the things I enjoy doing the most. It's great when you see uh, people who, you know, you work with either you see it click a little bit, you know, they're working on something and they click, you see them, you know, or even in some cases you see them take on a, a bigger position, uh, you know, a bigger job somewhere else. I think that, right. you know, that's, right. those are the best, those are the best moments I think for me, because that, you know, there's something very rewarding in, in knowing, Hey, uh, you know, we, we played a part in helping someone attain the skills that allow them to grow their life, their career. And that should be, you know, that that's the kind of thing that kind of makes you smile. If somebody else, you know, moves up from a senior to a director like that, like that's great. You know, that, that, that's, that's very rewarding. You know, you're looking own. at, yeah, you're looking at the results. So looking at this mentorship, for example, you know, life is not a straight line. <laughs> I don't have to tell you we have yes. waves. Okay. Ups and downs. Looking at the person that you're laying off, because maybe they're not living up to expectations, okay? Looking at them from the perspective of you're actually mentoring them. You're giving them the opportunity to find another place where they could grow because you know they can't grow here. Empowering that mentoring in the conversation, how does it make you feel when you're talking to them? When you truly look at it from that mentoring perspective rather than from I'm not a good leader or I didn't do something right. You know, how does it shift? You, well, you're absolutely right. I think that I think in the moment, of course, you know, it, there's yes, it's, it's tough. But you know, and it's it's very tough. I think in the moment to you know when someone's getting some maybe unexpected news to try to convince them that this is really you know for the best. But the reality is, I think it, it not to convince them to convince you. You know, you can't control who they are. But you can certainly choose to be who you want to be. It's, you know, there's the the quote that, you know, the last of human freedoms is our ability to choose our perspective no matter what, okay? When you can shift and inspire yourself from that mentoring, even when the results are not what you expected, it it will come across much more powerfully for both you and the person you're talking to. Here's mm-hmm. your opportunity to find something else you can fly. This is where you're, you know, where I would suggest you you focus in on. And knowing you guys, you're probably giving them warnings before you ever tell them just boom, out of the blue, you're out. So I mean, we certainly we, we certainly yeah. do our best. I mean, yeah. you never want to. No, no, you, you give them opportunities and chance. What I'm simply saying is when you can shift from the lack of leadership, which is disconnecting you to truly mentoring in a difficult time, that's an empowering shift. Just, you know, and we can do that with any value and any circumstance, because normally people allow circumstances to dictate who they are. And when they're good, oh, we're all happy. And when they're not, whoa, it's hard. But when we can empower ourselves, no matter what the circumstances, 
we're much more powerful in you know in mentoring, in you know innovation, leadership, productivity. Everything improves, and it's not just about letting people go. It's about anything that didn't go the way you expected it to. It's what I call you know improving your emotional intelligence. <laughs> just a, a share for people that are listening. Um, I appreciate. It. Yeah, you're welcome. Name one thing in your work or life that you want to achieve that is a challenge to achieve right now. Sleep. <laughs> okay, sleep. What makes that a challenge? Aside well, from I have a new son. I have a newborn, so yeah. So we'll say sleep. Okay. But, um, no, in all in all seriousness, all series. You know, I think we've talked about this, and and I remember when I was a Oh God, you know, I must've been 10 or 11 years old. Um, the first ever SV award show ran and Jim Valvano gave his, you know, now very famous speech about he was dying of cancer and, you know, announcing the found the formation of the Jimmy V foundation. Yeah. And, you know, but within that speech though, we talked about, you know, where you've been, where you are and where you want to go. Right. And for me, even as a, as a young child, that, that speech always really resonated with me. And, and, you know, especially that part, I mean, and there are so many wonderful parts of that speech. So if anyone, you know, who's listening has not, you know, watch it and you have 10 minutes, you know, go on YouTube and find it. it it's, it's a really powerful listen. And repeat it's, it for those who didn't write it down the first time. Sure. It is the um, Jim Valvano speech at the 1992 SB awards. If Great you speech. go on YouTube, you will, it'll come right up. Um, <laughs> So for me, um, I always like for Google, right? <laughs> yeah. So for me, I always like feeling like I'm moving forward every day. I think the challenge for some people is is finding what it is you want to be moving towards and and getting stuck in the now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you I get mean, stuck, you're disconnected from a value. That's pretty much what happens. You know, you're yeah. you're uncertain. Your 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 confidence goes. But yeah, whatever it is you're looking to, you know, whatever that challenge is. Mentor yourself. It definitely. That gives and kindness to you and it gives you opportunity not to rush because sometimes, you know, we want it now and it makes it a lot more difficult. And, you know, I, I use my daughter as an example. She was a great runner. Okay. She was all county and Nassau and all that kind of stuff. And there was a point in time where she was winning the races, but she was upset because she wasn't PRing, personal record. Okay. And she couldn't understand it. And what we found out was she was thinking about the finish line before the gun went off. You know, she, you know, it's kind of like if you're taking your son, you know, five or six years from now to Disney and you're driving and you go over the George Washington Bridge and he says, when are we going to get there? It's going to be a long trip. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what I'm saying is that, yeah, it's not about the destination. It's about who you're being in the journey. And when when you're empowering yourself from as you're using mentoring, you know, that mentorship perspective for yourself, you're going to be a lot more empowered. You're not going to be rushing yourself. You're, you're going to you're not going to be judging yourself. You're going to be taking good care. What words of wisdom would you like to share with our listeners on how they can successfully navigate their career satisfaction and growth? And if you want to throw in a couple of you know, Bill's unwritten rules, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> sure. Well, I'll start with an analogy, which is kind of, you know, don't give up and, you know, or, or stay the course. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, 
I say this and, and I say this very tongue cheekly, but I think that there's something to it. When I was four years old, I I went to you know a baseball game and I, I had you know at Yankee Stadium, and I basically I dropped a foul ball. Now keep in mind I was four, um, but but uh, yeah. dropped a foul ball. I've seen and professionals drop them too, so just be you know. <laughs> I got booed. And you know that stuck with, that stuck with me. And you know, very recently, I, I I caught my first foul ball at a game, and there was something about just the release of you know probably thirty years of uh, uh, of resent coming coming right out. So I mean, if you if you if you stay at something long enough, you know, you will never you will inevitably get rewarded. So so do not give up. But professionally, though, I think there's a couple of things. I think in business. There's the power of no. And I think that this is something that just any CFO, any business can person can just keep keep at the forefront and just remember, I think, you know, no is a really powerful word. And in this and in this day and age, whether it's dealing with a difficult client, uh, you know, a difficult situation, you don't have to say yes, you don't have to bend, you know, bend over backwards every time. Like no is an appropriate answer sometimes. And, and it's it's a complete sentence. So don't forget that. And I think that, you know, just sometimes the best deals are the ones you don't make. Sometimes the best jobs are the ones you don't take. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but, you know. <laughs> I love it. Jeff, that's good stuff. <laughs> the power that knows a very strong word. And yeah. I think personally, just talk about like always feeling like you're moving forward, you know, make sure you have a, you know, try to have a North Star, you know, whether that's, I think, values or, you know, just what you're what it is you want to go you know you're trying to to grow towards or strive towards i I said earlier you know i tell people on my team be be active participants in conversations about your own growth do that and you know know have an idea of what you want to strive towards um you know just just continually try to feel like you're moving forward every day but you know with purpose not just moving forward for the sake of blindly moving forward you know because inevitably you may not know what direction you're going to so have an anchor point in the sky, metaphorically speaking, and and so that you know you always know where you're trying to get to and you know walk towards. And, and if you do that, I think more often than not, you'll you'll find yourself in a in a good position. That's great. So kind of what you're saying is the moment you're ready to say no, pause. <laughs> pause. <laughs> and maybe ask an open-ended question that can be better explained or better answered so that you can come to a closer yes. Exactly. I love a good open-ended question. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, you do look like Grizzly Adams to me, <laughs> which is a compliment because there's a future self in me that uh, I call Father Earth. So I'm a tree hugger. <laughs> so Grizzly Adams is like, you know, oh, this is great stuff. I think it would look good on you, Barney. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I don't think my wife would let me. <laughs> uh, you're lucky. I'm very patient. Very patient. Uh, well, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for joining and have a wonderful day, man. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And you too. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Bye now. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and recommend The Chemistry Factor to your friends. 
If you would like to connect with me on social media, reach out to Barney Feinberg on LinkedIn. To connect with me directly, email barney at thechemistryfactor.com. Until next time, empower your business success every day.